This is Bernard Bruch with IntuitiCon. Nothing that we say or write should be interpreted as investing advice. Um, on our last podcast, which we just put up on IntuitiCon.com, we received this question from one of our subscribers. And it's a really good question. And ever since that podcast, I've been debating whether or not I could have answered it better. Um, So I'm going to attempt to do that. And I think I'll start by talking about, at least as best I see it, the, uh, the path that a lot of investors take when they first start investing and then how they mature in their thinking. So I think initially there are two groups of investors. There are those that think that they can beat markets or they're you know very bold and very interested in at least trying. And then there are folks that give up right away and just assume that they can't. Um, and so I think both are wrong right off the bat. And the folks that think that they can't beat the market and so they don't try, I think that this group is essentially destined to learn the hard way that you have to put your capital to work no matter what. And there's no default portfolio. The S&P is not a default portfolio. Our target retirement fund is not a target portfolio. Like these have become, you know, part of a broader narrative about where safety is, but where people perceive safety to be typically is where you end up having, you know, a bidding up in prices to the point where it's no longer safe. So there, there is no safe or, you know, I'm going to give up and therefore uh, I'm going to do X. Well, there, there really is no place to do that. So you, you have to think about where you're going to invest money to, to invest responsibly. But of course, you know, folks that go into this thinking, okay, I'm just going to, you know, spend a bunch of time, read a bunch of articles and subscribe to a bunch of things. And then I'm going to beat markets that that doesn't work either because it takes years to really understand even, you know, a a decent working knowledge of how free markets work about how uh, publicly uh, public securities are structured about um, you know, credit markets and about the impact of futures and derivatives. And it takes, you know, years to appreciate the implications of history. Um, and, you know, the, the backgrounds behind different countries and geographies and the impacts of geography, uh, the, the changing nature of, of say, um, you know, how markets have evolved, everything from, 
you know, the regulatory structures put in place during the Great Depression and how that changed the, the way that investors view equity prices and the impact of the Fed and the changing nature of monetary systems. And like the shit's complicated. Uh, and so, you know, I spent three hours today on Twitter spaces. Um, really enjoyed that. It's fun for me. Um, I talk about investing and finance, market psychology, economics, published papers, spent like a, a big chunk of my career before I was doing this full time. Um, essentially doing this full time anyway, because I was, you know, building out risk management systems and forecasting models and, uh, you know, leading teams that were spread out across the world doing this. So, you know, even before I was really investing, I was still learning a ton about risk management, right? And how, how like the plumbing of financial markets. Um, and so the first five years, if you're spending, you know, 2000 hours a year, uh, this is how you get to that, that 10,000 hour threshold of, of, of getting to a point where you can at least feel pretty comfortable that you, you know, aren't making a, you know, huge mistakes. Basically during that, that time, you're still losing. Like you're not, you're not, if you're beating markets, you're doing it on accident. Um, you're getting lucky. Uh, you're probably deluding yourself. Um, and, but you're still probably better off than the folks who give up right away because the, the problem with the folks that give up right away is that they're not even bothering to try to learn and you still have to put your capital to work. Like, uh, I think the best example right now are these target retired retirement date funds that the closer you get to retirement, they're putting you in these bonds that you're earning you know, negative returns and in, in real terms while simultaneously subjecting yourself to tremendous interest rate and inflation risk and, you know, monetary debasement. It's, there, there is no real alternative except, you know, maybe hiring somebody that you hope and pray knows more than, than you do. But even that I think is like highly fraught with with all kinds of problems, like, like a lot of the investment advisory community, they're, they're probably also caught up in a whole lot of, you know, these narratives and they don't necessarily know what risk is or how to really think about risk in a way that makes sense to retail investors. It certainly has nothing to do with volatility. Unless you're leveraged, uh, which is where a lot of the emphasis on that comes from, comes from, hedge funds and banks that are highly leveraged. Yeah, you have to care about volatility there, but retail investors don't need to care. Um, they just need to care about whether or not they have enough money when they retire. That's it. That's all that really matters. Uh, except like if they have short-term, you know, financial obligations. Um, so, you know, when to have conviction? Almost never. Um you know, I, I'm blessed to, to be married to a woman that, that is a hell of a lot smarter than I am. And 
she has a PhD in economics and like a whole slew of other letters after her name and tons of publications and fields like derivatives. Um, you know, our, our, our idea of a great date night is to watch the big short and, you know, talk about liquidity. <laughs> I mean, we, we're a really romantic couple. I mean, we have our romantic moments for sure, but you know, we're nerds. Like we love this stuff. And then I do a lot of research with my kids. I have two daughters. Um, for years, I've been, you know, teach. I was teaching uh, my older daughter about Monte Carlo simulations using Excel when she was like six. Um, because you know this is this is interesting to me. I, I love talking to them about concepts like money and the nature of value, and I see connections between that and everything from you know, the way we get along to their relationships with their friends. Like I taught um, my older daughter when I was talking to her about uh, she had a problem with a friend at school um, when she was maybe eight. Uh, and she only had like one really, really good friend. And I immediately launched into a whole discussion about diversification and showed her all these different distributions of outcomes based on how well friendships work out. Um, so finding ways to get to enough time where you can feel comfortable with these concepts because you live and breathe them, uh, you know, there's ways to do that. But, but for the vast majority of people, that's not what they want to do. You know, they want to chill out like my dad. He just wants to chill out. He wants to play poker with his buddies, drink a Jameson, and look at the lake. You know, that's his thing. <laughs> and that's great. You know, that's his thing, you know. Um, this is my thing. I love doing this. Um, and I do a few other things, but I, I pretty much only do like three things. I basically do I live and breathe financial markets and investing and economics and market psychology because I feel like it has benefits to me uh as a person helps me better understand the world pretty relentlessly curious about all that uh and then i love helping to cultivate curiosity in kids um help them to channel that curiosity in productive ways uh and i love building relationships with people that want to um have a positive impact on the world and and do it in a way that is very bold and so I work a lot with entrepreneurs um, to help them to, uh, to succeed. And I feel like that's very much related to, to investing. But that's, that's really all I do. Uh, and even with all that, even with all that focus, I only have conviction on like a few things within investing. And they happen to be things that I spent a lot of time looking into with a team and uh but not you know not just like professionals that that i that i work with but also you know learning about it with my kids like i was talking about today on this uh twitter spaces discussion um how i i really got into 3d printing when my at the time 11 year old daughter fixed our front door with a 3d printer um, and then she and a bunch of her friends put on a, uh, like a, a research, 
um, essentially like demonstration for the public about all the research they had done in the uh, genomic space during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, so, so this is something that, that we dove into a lot in terms of thinking through the implications of all the different technologies and looking at the different companies, but I wasn't really spending time away from family to do that. I, it was part of like their homeschooling. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess the, uh, I don't, I don't give financial advice. We are launching an investment advisory firm to, to do that for folks that want that, but this is not investing advice, but I'll just say to, to, uh, my future grandkids, let's put it that way. Don't have conviction on pretty much anything when it comes to investing, um, unless you've really put tremendous amounts of time and effort over years. Um, uh, one can use investing as a tool uh, to, to learn about themselves, uh, learn about the world, use it to cultivate curiosity uh, in everybody that you meet, um, especially people that are passionate about something. Um, use it to become humble. Let it sharpen the mind so that one can become very humble in realizing how much they don't know. Don't give up. Don't, don't uh, you know, sell out and, and, and just like give away all your money to somebody else to manage and not think about it. Um, don't, uh, don't avoid thinking through the complexity. Try. Um, but through that process, don't expect to beat markets. Um, use that process to allow yourself to avoid spending a lifetime having high convictions about extremely complex human systems. Uh, investing is a really good way to not to avoid becoming a political or religious zealot or somebody that you know, is so blinded by whatever nationalistic narrative is portrayed by their political leaders that they have no mind of their own. It's a really good way to become an extremely critical thinker and appreciate history and, and just the, the deep complexities of human systems and the human condition and one's own limitations. That's, that's the real reason to do investing. And then if you're good after five, you know, it doesn't take five years to realize how to avoid risk, but if you go into it, that, uh, into investing with that mindset, then I think pretty quick after, you know, a year, maybe, you know, one can have an appreciation for how to at least avoid making really stupid mistakes. Um, that's, that's probably one of the most valuable things one can get from being an active investor is how to avoid catastrophic risks and really stupid mistakes that mostly come from having high conviction about things that one doesn't actually have any real cause to, to have uh, conviction about. Um, and then if you go through all that and you still really love this 
then occasionally, pretty rarely, unless, you know, you're just absolutely insane. Like, I kind of feel like, I, I, I think there's some personality types that just lend themselves more to investing. But if you can at least appreciate and enjoy the process, then every now and then you'll have probably partially by accident have developed enough uh, understanding of a particular opportunity, a particular security at a particular moment in time when you can actually justify having conviction. And when those moments happen, then you go big.